Here we go, another week. And as I sit down to record this evening, the news is washing over the internets that the Writers Guild of America and the American Motion Picture and Television Producers, aka the AMPTP, have reached a tentative deal that will end their strike after 146 hard days. Now, this agreement, while people are confident uh, that it will go through, it does need to be ratified by the DWA, WGA, excuse me, the Writers Guild. But all reports, certainly those in this household are happy about the deal. I'm sure we will all learn about the details soon enough. And it means that at least tentatively, scripts can start rolling again. Writers can start planning for their shows and for production to resume. Hopefully, after the SAG, after a strike, which affects all of the actors, ends soon. Um, and there should be some optimism now that the writers have a deal, a foundation that the actors will also be able to build upon that foundation and come to their own deal with the AMPTP. And I want to spend some time on this, not just because it's the hot news, but because I do believe there are some, some education-related lessons here. Um, and the first one, we touched on this last week when we were talking about theater arts and the importance of it. But for me, what this strike in particular underscores is the idea that if you don't embrace a comprehensive education, when I say comprehensive, that means being proficient in all areas of education. So of course your core subjects, your English, math, your history, you know, these days you need to have another language that you can learn your math. Um, and then on top of that, whatever your focus is, whatever your passion is, if you're not embracing that type of education and being able to be uh, conversant in many different circles um, and being able to pivot, even if you have a specific skill, then you become open to being a victim of what I really believe is class warfare. And it's not just against you know, the poorest or the least of these. But this 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 writer's strike is an example that it's just not unskilled labor that often gets attacked and is, you know, easily bullied uh, by the powers that be. But it, middle and upper to middle class folks were really starting to sweat in this strike. Folks that have degrees on degrees on degrees from your finest institutions, whether it be for the arts in particular, uh, writing, certainly producing. These are folks that are used to earning, used to being able to move with a certain ease in the world. And because you had presidents and CEOs who were more concerned about increasing their margin, that didn't matter. They were more than willing to tell writers all the way on down to makeup artists, hairdressers, lighting folks, craft services folks to pound sand, not even eat cake, pound 
sand. We don't care. We will even eat, as I talked about this last week, we will eat $500 million if we have to to make sure that our margins, the way that we can make movies in the future continues to be easy and we don't necessarily have to pay astronomical numbers for the creation of content and for talent to bring that content to life. So for me, you have to be of the mindset if you are a family raising your children, if you are still in school, whether it's college or grad school, trying to be as well-rounded as you possibly can because the 1% are going to do whatever they possibly can to continue to amass wealth. And unless folks have the ability to leverage your skills using their business acumen, then they're going to find themselves in situations like these. But I am happy for the Writers Guild. They joined the directors now in having a new deal, and hopefully we will not have to see another work stoppage like this anytime in the near future. Because this one hurt a lot of people. The AMPTP was able to do some real damage, and maybe that was their goal to hit a hard reset on how they do business. And they certainly accomplished that. People's deals got canceled uh, because they were able to, what they call force majeure or, you know, an act of God that would allow folks to have their deals canceled. People's deals were canceled even when they thought they wouldn't be able to. People had to move. People had to sell items to be able to make rent. So this one really hurt, but I'm, I'm hopeful that there will be a recovery now that this deal is in place. So let me stop there for a second, take a break. And then on the other side, I want to talk a little bit about some things that might allow for folks to be continually successful in the future. Be right back. All right, so like I said, I had a front row seat on this Writers Guild SAG AFTRA strike. And, you know, as I talked to the franchise, the misses about what all was going down and hearing uh, the discussions that were being had amongst uh, showrunners and actors and all those involved. There were definitely some things that got my educational mind spinning um, that I felt like putting out there in the world, you know, as we reflect on the strike now being over. And so one of them is related to what I do uh, in school these days, I teach a leadership elective and it's a cool exercise for me because A, as someone who's a leader in a school, it allows for some reflection on the stuff that happens on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, I can flip things that are happening in real time in school, take out, you know, some of the identifying details, put them 
before my students, pull out things from the real world, put before my students and talk about leadership situations. And it's easy to think about leadership when all is going well, everybody's agreeing. But the thing that I like to do is have the students work through leadership when it's hot, when the bullets are flying. So, for example, thinking about the war in Ukraine, you know, and an exercise might be putting yourself in President Zelensky's shoes. Or more recently, I put before my students, you know, the scenario of Senator Tommy Tuberville uh, and his one man blockade against military promotions and how you might work through that. And so this Writers Guild strike is another example that I'll be able to, you know, pull the details, you know, and work through it. And two things strike me immediately um, when I think about it. And the first is that it, it, I came to understand that there are folks who you would think move the needle when it comes to leadership in the Writers Guild, who effectively chose to say, nah, you got it, and sit on the sidelines and not be actively involved until it got to a point where, you know, again, perhaps a deal got canceled. Perhaps there wasn't money coming in. Perhaps, you know, it was starting to get a little harder to pay staff. You know, there were a number of folks who are not only writers, but producers and have their own um, production companies that were forced to lay off workers. So, you know, you're the boss in addition to writing for yourself and those folks, you know, perhaps were not as involved in the negotiations as you might have otherwise thought, given their status in the industry. And so that to me is a lesson, right? The more uh, cachet that you develop, I'm someone who believes that you should step into that power so that you are not only taking care of yourself and your interests that you've amassed, but you're also keeping the ladder free of mess so that other people can come up along the way. And so that would be, you know, a lesson that I would pass on to anyone um, that if you are able to rise to a position of power, don't just hand that off to someone else when you've worked so hard to get it. So a popular example I would give is Chris Paul in the NBA has become a superstar, is a noted star in the league. And for many years, he was the president of the Players Organization, Players Association, excuse me. So when it came to work stoppages and now money being affected, you had this superstar who by all accounts had respect among peers who could negotiate because he's a vet and understands the inner workings and also can look out for the younger players who don't have the same cachet. LeBron also has been part of the executive committee. That is what I'm talking about here. So I would hope that in the aftermath of this strike, you would see, Folks whose names we recognize really move into positions of power on the WGA leadership board so that, again, they're not only protecting themselves, but also those 
of the writers that they care about um, and their staffs that they you know have to provide for. That's the first thing. Second thing is I think, again, in a world where everyone is able to effectively be their own channel, be their own quote unquote brand. I think for actors in particular, and, and this crosses many professions, but in this case, actors and writers, you really do have to make sure that you are owning your craft. And when I'm saying owning, that means not only just be savvy about how you go about applying your craft and the roles you may take in and, or what scripts you might write, but then knowing all of the business and understanding all of the business that goes around your job so that when push comes to shove, you understand how to negotiate. You understand, you know, all that is involved with making sure that you can move forward. And again, these are lessons that have been learned in my own household. But it's critical. Because, again, the leaders of the networks and the streaming services, they showed little care and regard for the professionals who are responsible for much of the content that is put on their air. And so therefore, if you are a content creator, it only behooves you that much more to make sure you know your worth, you understand your worth and fight for said worth and get every last penny that is due to you. Because otherwise, it is clear that the studios and the streamers will take advantage, particularly in the cases of the streamers where the production and TV part isn't even their main source of income. So the apples of the world, the Netflixes of the world, the Amazons of the world, this is a side hustle for them, this production thing. So if you are a content creator, don't just get treated like a side hustle. Let them understand that this is your life and that you deserve to be treated like the main thing. As important as any iPhone that Apple might produce or any digital laptop or TV that might get shipped quickly on Amazon. So just some lessons, some notes that took as I watched the strike unfold from afar. It will be interesting again in the aftermath to learn about the details and see what kind of changes creators take in their approach moving forward to how they deal with the studios and the streamers. We'll take a pivot coming up next. So now I want to pivot from a fight that is seemingly coming to an end between the WGA and the AMPTP and moving on to a fight that continues. And the fight is between students, more often not black students who choose to wear their hair 
locked in the dreadlock style and school districts in particular that would seek to punish, suspend those students simply for their hairstyle. We have seen instances where students have been not been allowed to compete based on hairstyle. We have seen instances where students have been denied the ability, the privilege of walking graduation because of hairstyle. Now, most recently, Daryl George, a 17-year-old student in Texas, was suspended five days because it was said that his hair, which is in locks, was not meeting the school district dress code standard. Now, what is interesting about this is that there's been a movement started in California, thankfully, where states have been passing legislation to protect discrimination based on hair texture and the styles in which black people in particular may wear their hair, whether it is braids, whether it is locks, so forth and so on. And so in this case with Daryl George, Texas passed a Crown Act, and this is the name for many of these pieces of legislation that have now been passed in 22 states, Crown standing for creating respectful and creating a respectful and open world for natural hair act. Love that title. Creating a respectful and open world for natural hair at crown. So the first one again passed in California in 2019. 22 states have passed similar acts. Texas passed one on the 1st of September, but yet and still, at the start of the school year, Dell George was suspended. And so, again, in the name of fighting, his family has filed a federal civil lawsuit against Governor Greg Abbott and Attorney General Ken Paxton. Side note, barely survived impeachment recently for failing to enforce this piece of legislation. Legislation that Greg Abbott himself had to sign into law as the governor of Texas. The Crown Act in Texas was authored by state rep Greta Bowers. And so it shows you, before we get into the fight piece, that there are mechanisms in place that allow for those who often find themselves disproportionately affected by law to use the tools at hand to protect themselves. So in this case, inordinate numbers of suspensions and punitive uh, punishments have come up for black people for wearing their hair a particular way. And so now there's legislation protecting them. Otherwise, there was a federal crown act that made its way all the way to the Senate before dying there. So that's the situation. First of all, let me just say it is ridiculous that in 2023, we are still punishing people for how they wear their hair. I would even extend that further to the rest of how we dress in school. I have been someone who has evolved on, on this issue. I certainly came up old school and was taught that you dress a certain way for school. But the long and short of it is that how we dress for school, as long as there's coverage, does not have an impact on how students are learning. 
and in a time where we recognize that gender is a fluid spectrum, we cannot have any kind of dress code that disproportionately affects one gender over another, one ethnicity over another, or anything of the sort. So there's that. But in this case, it's particularly ridiculous that when a law is intact, the law has been passed, still you see an effort to keep students from being able to express themselves in the way that they choose. If you Google pictures of Daryl George, you see that his hair is neatly done. Certainly some effort was at the, done at the salon for him to get his locks up and braided in a manner that is well kept by any definition, certainly tight. And even if he had the Rastafari style dreads that are a little bit more matter than natural, it shouldn't matter. This crown act should protect them. And so I hope that the family is able to fight vigorously to protect not only Daryl, but the enforcement of this law because we should not continue to see any legislation that prevents students from being able to go to school. Five days suspension for a hairstyle is ridiculous. Five days out of school puts a student behind and pro prohibits them from being able to learn in the way that they should. And again, at a time where all kinds of people wear dreadlocks, at a time where all kinds of people have hairstyles that span the range of expression and would push on the boundaries of what is quote unquote tidy and well kept. We should not be seeing instances where black students come under attack for their hairstyle. So I hope things progress well for the George family and it's just another instance where they do things a little different in Texas a little bit different we'll come back and we'll get into the Dean's List and this week's honor roll office this week, I need to see Ciaran Gallagher, who is the CEO and head of Gymnastics Ireland. Uh, the organization has come under fire and scrutiny this week because of a video from March 2022 that resurfaced showing a judge awarding medals to competitors at a gymnastics competition and skipping over the only black gymnast in the group. And so I don't want to see the judge necessarily because by all accounts, the judge expressed media contrition after the competition, after the initial error, the young girl was given her medal and the judge understood the mistake. So I'm not going to paint the scarlet letter of racism on the judge, but I hold Mr. Gallagher accountable and want to see him because he is the leader of the organization and in the age of the internet 
had to know that handling this in a sloppy, haphazard way was not going to bode well. And so while Gymnastics Ireland put out a statement this week saying that they had dealt with the issue through mediation with the child's family and that it was settled, the child's mother came out this week and said, no, 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 that did not happen. There was no mediation. Gymnastics Ireland never issued an apology. And so now this issue has resurfaced and has gone viral global. And Gymnastics Island has a big mess on their hands. And this child will be scarred forever. She may not recognize at this point that it was a racialized moment, but she may come to understand that. And that is unfortunate and should not be what a child has to face when just trying to pursue athletic dreams. So CRN Gallagher needs to come to the Dean's office. Switching to the honor roll, this one hits close to home as I want to salute Anthony Nesty, who this week was named the first black head coach of the United States Olympic swimming team. It has been awesome to see someone who I first became aware of as a young age group swimmer uh, when he was swimming for Bowles High School and setting national records in the 100 Butterfly and then winning a gold medal in the same event. And then as a coach sharing deck space with Mr. Nesty as he worked under coach Greg Troy at University of Florida, ultimately took over the program there, has continued their excellence and now will become the head coach of our Olympic team when we travel to Paris in 2024. So salute to Mr. Nesty. Looking forward to him having great success in charge of the team. That is all for me this week. I look forward to getting back with you next week. Have a great one. This is John Carroll signing off. Taking notes. The views expressed by John Carroll and his guest in the preceding podcast are solely that of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the views of their employers, companies, or other associated parties.